Hey everybody, this is Corey with FCF Fit and I wanted to welcome you to the latest edition of the Find Your Fit podcast. On today's edition, we have coach and pastor Anthony. Uh, he's gonna be breaking down his faith and fitness journey from California to Texas and all parts in between. So have a listen. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, getting to know our friend and coach Anthony a little bit better and we'll see you in the gym soon. All right, everybody, this is Corey with FCF Fit, and I've got Anthony Celia with us for uh, this next installment of the uh, Find Your Fit podcast, and I uh, wanted to welcome Anthony out this morning. Yeah. Hey, guys. How are hey, you doing? Corey. <laughs> I'm hey. good. <laughs> I'm good. So, um, you know, we're just going to sit and talk about, again, uh, you know, your your upbringing, probably, a little bit of uh, your past yeah. and, um, you know, your journey from where you were born and grew up to, to Texas. And then obviously how you got involved in fitness and, um, you know, from, from being a member at FCF to moving into a coaching role. Yeah. And then of course, you know, your, your professional life, what you do, what your passion is, and also some of your hobbies, things you like to do outside of the gym as well as outside of your, your everyday uh, work life. Yeah. So uh, if you wouldn't mind just uh, letting the listeners know where you come from. Yeah. I was born and raised, uh, North of LA, the Gore Hills, Thousand Oaks area. So 20 minutes from Malibu. So uh, it was pretty majestic and awesome. You could senior year ditch school all the time to go surfing. And Ooh, yeah. so, yeah, that was fun. And now that I live in Texas, I'm like, oh, wow, everywhere sucks except Southern California. <laughs> no matter where I move in the, the country, it will be awful. So you haven't taken any uh, surfing trips down to Galveston? No. no. No? I've never been to Galveston. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. So what about Corpus or? Nothing. Padre Island? Nope. No, okay. none of that. So, yeah. Um, it's definitely not a 20 minute drive. No, I grew up in Malibu. So, yeah, it's probably nothing yeah, compared to that. Compare to that. Yeah. San Diego is the only other better place. So, okay. Yeah, but no, I grew up out there. Um, I mean, I moved to Texas 11 years ago, almost 11 years ago. So, all through elementary school, high school, college, I had a short stint traveling with doing some music stuff in the Midwest for a year. Okay. Um, so, like Michigan and Ohio and all that. So I know I never want to live in the Midwest. So what got you from Cali to Texas? My job. So okay. I'm a pastor. I work at a church. At the time I graduated uh, college, it was like 08, December of 08. So Tony and I, my wife, we were just talking about, oh, that was like the bottom of the recession. Like we had no idea. Yeah. And I had a job offer in California where I was working in college and then Phoenix and Houston and then Dallas. So um, my current boss, I've known since I was like 15. He was my pastor growing up. So um, he's like, move out to Dallas. I'm like, okay. And uh, we didn't want to stay in California. And he was already here. Yeah. He, he okay. came here probably like three or four years before that. Okay. Wow. So yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, I came out, I graduated with a music degree in like church music. So okay, um, they needed a worship director and I came on out to do that. And then Tanya and I were dating. And then we, I, I knew I was going to propose, got yeah. uh, engaged right away, and we got married 10 years ago. Okay. So we've, we moved here, we said five years. We'll give it five years. Yeah. And we're 11 years later. 11 and like years year later. three, we're like, we bought a house. I'm like, you know, we, that means we're staying for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was in 08, 09. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we opened the gym in 09. So, um, yeah, we moved here on right. Super Bowl Sunday of 09. Wow. Yeah, we, okay. we drove in. Okay. So yeah, we, we yeah then we opened up six months later um, oh, wow. from from that point on. So uh, yeah, definitely you know the recession and, and you know the market downturn. People were kind of looking at me like, "Were you nuts?" Yes, yeah, so you started a business. In, yeah, but it's Texas. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm glad I didn't hear you know hear yeah. all that negative talk that people were giving me, and uh, so it's it's worked out. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, so moving from the West Coast to Texas, uh, at a very young age, right out of college. Yeah. Um, you and you and Tanya just pack up all your gear and come take a role that uh, you weren't necessarily maybe sure how. I mean, did you yeah. have any reservations about it? I mean, what was yeah, no, man. So like, I graduated college, and most places give you like a full time salary and all that. And the church I came to, Water's Edge, is where I work. It's at the time was pretty young. I mean, they were they just moved into a building. Um, they couldn't afford me full time, so. Um, I basically fundraise like 20% of my salary, oh, wow. kind of like 
you imagine a missionary going overseas or whatever. Yeah. They raise funds, any nonprofit, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's what I still do to this day is raise a chunk of my salary. Um, really? Still? Yeah, still. 11 years later. So. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you go about doing that? Relationships. Okay. You know? um, and so when I graduated college, I mean, I had some core families that uh, I knew just from growing up at church mm-hmm. and stuff and all that. And, um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go help basically like start this newer church. And would you help fundraise some of that salary and offset the cost? And through that, God's just been faithful, you know, over the yeah. years, like 11 years later, I don't like doing it. Yeah. It's the, it's not uh, fun, but it's help me trust. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, is it, is it because is it just because you feel awkward having to go that route? Or? Um, at first, yeah. I imagine like being like, I mean, I was 22, 23 when I graduated. Like, hey, I just graduated. Um, I should go get a full-time job, you know? But yeah. it's like, hey, I just graduated. Do you want to give me money? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, I could see and it. It was awkward, yeah. but right. um, but it was just me learning how to really – like, I believed what I was going to go do. Yeah. You know, like, I, I believed in you knew what, your why. Yeah, I knew my why. So it wasn't like, oh, no, I need my – like, yeah. you know, it was just – Part of the, the deal, you know, right? And right. it was a uh, yeah, but now Tony, I was just thinking about that, you know, like you just packed up and went, you know, yeah, like, she didn't have a job lined up, like it was just crazy, and it all worked out, and it still does, you know, yeah. You know, I've talked about like freaking out about yeah. ah, it's like just chill out, man, yeah. it's all gonna work out, you know, it's breathe, yeah, breathe, relax, you know. Yeah. Like even on my way here this morning, it took Starbucks 25 minutes. And I'm like losing my crap in there. And there's like one girl like working her tail off. I'm yeah. Like, oh, why am I freaking out? Man? Yeah. Like, I'm freaking out because I'm paying for my $4 cup of coffee. Right, right. Shut up. <laughs> man. Perspective, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, we need a little slap in the face with, with the big capital P. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously your conviction and knowing, you know, your why and, you know, obviously people can, can pick up on that, you know, yeah. where if you're, as you mentioned, you, you kind of alluded to being not wishy-washy about it yeah. and, you know, people can pick that, pick up on that, you yeah. know, and, and they, they, they can believe you and you're authentic and trustworthy, friendly. And, you know, obviously that, that helps you yeah. um, in, in that, uh, in, in your cause, you know, so let's, um, let's talk about your faith. Yeah. When growing up, were you always exposed in, to the church? No, man. Okay, so this is my first podcast. I'm talking about my faith. Weird. Uh, no, it's it's cool. Um, no, I did not grow up in the church at all. Like my parents split when I was like three, um, and my mom grew up in the church, but like left when her mom died when she was super young. Okay. And my dad was raised on the East Coast, Coast Catholic, like your typical Catholic school. Hit you with a ruler awful childhood when his mom died young. So like nothing, you know? Um, and then when my dad and stepmom got pregnant with my sister, I was like 13. They're like, well, we should do this one. Right. We should go to church. (laughs) You see that a lot. Like, Oh, we got a kid. Like, I guess we're supposed to go to church. And, um, they landed at this little tiny Lutheran church across the street from our house. And, um, we got tied in there. So my dad's a musician. He's a drummer. Okay. And they were, it was like this traditional old church, like Oregon and a bunch of like blue hair ladies. And um, <laughs> we walk in and like green Bibles. Yeah. It's just was, I mean, a blue carpet. It was awful. And, and you were like, 13. At the I was like 13, 14. Okay. Yeah. And they, uh, they were starting like a modern rock band for Sunday morning church, whatever. And um, my dad started playing drums. My stepmom started singing. And like, well, we need a bass player. And I was a bass player. So oh, I've been yeah. playing fifth grade orchestra, jazz, man, all like classically trained, all that. And I hated going. Like, this is bull crap. Like, this stupid religion. Like, I had people in my ear, like, it's man made, blah, blah, blah. And I, really, I, I, didn't, I was 13. I didn't have my yeah. own, like, thoughts. And all my friends were Jewish. Like, I didn't know many Christian kids or okay. anything. Where I grew up is like a highly Jewish populated area. Okay. So, um, we started going to church. I hated it. I remember my dad like pounding on the door every Sunday. I'm like, oh, yo. So as soon as I started playing music, it was bearable. Like it was totally just love and acceptance for years. Um, and I was a good kid. Like I was the most like moral kid in the youth group and I was not a Christian. Like I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I wasn't having sex. Like I was just a good kid. Um, probably fear of like 
disappointing people or whatever. Okay. And then, um, not as a, as a result of like a hard line no, parent, parent, no, my parents approach. were like, like they didn't care. Okay. Like, they were pretty super, hands off. And yeah. Just, they yeah. were rockers in the eighties on sunset strip. So they're like, Oh cool. Okay. You're not doing lines. You're doing good, <laughs> man. Like, <laughs> High five, like son. all right, cool. Oh, you had a beer. Oh no. You know? So, uh, super laid back home life. And, uh, I just, that was me, you know, yeah. I'm just kind of that guy. Um, and don't worry, I enjoy a beverage now. But, oh, yeah. but at the time, I just was like, whatever. It's, I've I've got a couple brewskis. We've, we've had a couple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go, was going to the youth group for years. And we went on this huge, like, so it was a Lutheran church. And they had the, it's called, like, the National Gathering. Okay. Youth Gathering. It was in New Orleans. And uh, it was, what year? I just... This was like 18 years ago. Okay. It was 35,000 kids from around the country. They gathered in New Orleans. We filled the Superdome. Um, wow. And it was insane, you know? And I remember just being there and be like, okay, this is weird. Like, one, it's awesome. It's fun. Like, we overtook the entire city. Yeah. And um, there was one night, they, a kid that was there, he, I guess he had a heart condition or something, but he was running up the stairs with his group and he had a heart attack and died oh, wow. like dropped dead you know oh man and they announced that the next morning they show this picture on the screen i'm sitting there like what this kid just died and like yeah. people are sad and mourning but like there's this hope of thirty-five thousand people and i whatever call it i mean you put that many people in a room stuff happens but i it made me pause and take note like okay these kids are here not because their parents are making them show up but they're here because they want to uh, be here. I'm here because I want to be here. And um, and then they showed a list of all the other kids because this thing was like every four years. So it's a it's a rolling registration. They showed a list of all the other kids who had died in that four year from like cancer or whatever. And that, sitting, were, that were part of this yeah, that gathering? Were, yeah, part okay. of that the Lutheran church body. And I'm sitting there I'm like, what is going on? Like everyone's sad and crying, but there's a hope. So that made me pause. And then a couple of days later, because this was like, we were there seven or eight days or something. Okay. So wow. Mark, my youth pastor, took me. I remember we were like on Bourbon Street or just off of Bourbon Street um, in a McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And he finally asked me, like, what do you think about this Jesus guy? Like, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, okay, maybe he's real. Like, maybe this thing's real. And I just remember in that moment, Mark's like, you think you would want to follow him? And I was like, I, yeah. And it wasn't like your typical, like, run down the altar, tears in your eyes, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. it just was like, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in. And there was just a series of people just investing in me and pouring into me and loving me and families taking me in and all that for years, you know? So since then, it was kind of like, well, and then since then, I knew I was just going to just have this, this, what I call a call, like, into ministry. Yeah. Um originally I wanted to be in like a rock band and um, I played in punk bands and stuff and the goal yeah. was after high school like hit the road touring and all that stuff. So but, let's let's take a real quick break, come back to the touring. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna South is going nuts here. Let me go ahead and start away real quick. We all quit sports because of it. Um, like we were we recorded records. Like my dad's a musician, so we had a studio at home and this was cool. before Pro Tools and digital recording, like that was a luxury. Like yeah, no, the goal, so I was in a band in high school, a uh, punk band, and we took it super seriously. Like, we started our freshman year of high school, and we rehearsed four days a week for like two hours a day. But I was the kid to be in a band with, because my dad's in the industry. We got to, uh, before Newfound Glory got huge, if you know that band. I don't. Okay, so people, you're, you're too old, sorry, Corey. But uh, <laughs> a couple other you guys out there, you'll know Newfound Glory, Yellow Card, like those were bands that were breaking and we got to open for them. Um, so, so who, so, and this wasn't a Christian based no, band? No, no, no. So, okay. Yeah, because we started that. Before. Is there such thing as Christian punk? Probably, it probably sucks, but okay. it's probably there. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so before Yellow Card and, and Blind Faith, that's the name of the band? Blind? You say newfound glory. Newfound glory. What's the point of faith? Where'd that come from? Wow. That's a bad Christian yeah. <laughs> So I'm, my main job is I lead music on Sunday morning, which uh-huh. I think is a sacred, beautiful thing, but I really don't like most. Like, I don't listen to Christian radio, or I'm just, most of it is just crap. So, yeah. okay. anyways, sorry. Yeah. Well, hey, hey don't, don't be apologetic, right? You're entitled to your feelings. 
Um, what were some of your punk influences growing up? Uh, like Wagwagon, um, Pennywise, Pennywise, no Pennywise. So I loved Blink Ray too. And uh-huh. this was back like Dude Ranch, Enema of the State. Like, bef- I mean, they were huge, but yeah. I mean, we worshipped the ground. You had a fellow Blink One Eighty tour in the mid. In the mix at the gym, and his uh, name's Ben Borja. Oh, really? He okay. loves Blink One yeah. Two. So, so you guys have common ground. Love there. Blink, love Blink. So um, we were like more of the pop punk side of it. So the goal was to kind of we started doing really well, like talking to some labels and stuff. So in, in you just sign up, and then they put the teams together. So yeah. it was me, one other guy, and five girls, <laughs> and a fifteen passenger. <laughs> For 12 months, and like we were from 18 to 23. Like, that's a stupid idea. Like, yeah. now you look back, like, that was awful. That's it like was like, a it was hormone. Oh my scene. gosh. It was, and like, you can, and this was before um, iPods or, I mean, we could kind of text message, like, yeah. flip phones or whatever. This was before GPS. Like, we have to use a real map or gear and all that stuff. But um, uh, the industry, not like the, the band side, he sells gear. So okay. yeah, not, yeah, that, yeah. not that cool and sexy. Gotcha. But um, <laughs> so we took it super seriously. And I mean, we made a name for ourselves in our little bubble uh-huh. that we grew up in. And um, we're selling shows out, a couple hundred people showing up. He's a little bit older. Um, and just, it was great. But I had an opportunity to travel with this ministry. It was called Captive Free at the time, where basically they had different teams around the country that would go do like youth events all year round. And you basically piled the 15 passenger van and travel for a year. And a couple of them wanted to sign us, but we were just too young. Like we couldn't do. Which nowadays it probably wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. So this was back like, I mean, this was 20 years. Oh wow. Gosh, probably like 20 years ago. But, um, and then you guys were just a little ahead of your time. Yeah. We just did it. I mean, we took it super seriously. Our singer, who we, I still love. He was an a-hole, but he was our a-hole. Um, <laughs> he just started like getting with big ego and all okay. that stuff. And then we kind of started falling apart. I'm like, I should probably try to go to college. Like, I don't know, like yeah. maybe just in case. Um, so I moved off to college. And, and you were still plugged into the church at this during point, all yeah. this time. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. so that was still there. Um, so I went down to San Diego for a year and then joined another band that was doing really well okay. um, and actually we were getting radio play and all sorts of stuff like selling out clubs like it wow. was it was awesome because uh, they were established I just wanted yeah. to got there and um, we I recorded a record with them that we got picked up on a Japanese label and we released a record in Japan and so we released it my face was on stuff in Tower Records in Japan and then I quit. <laughs> okay. So you're obviously starting to achieve a modicum of success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, albeit not, not localized, but still. Yeah. What what was your decision so, to leave? Why? Um, God. Um, so and that, that thing was great. Mm-hmm. I mean. What was the name of the band? Parker Theory. Parker Theory. Yeah. Okay. So Jesse Pruitt was like the lead guy. And over the years, he had guys, different players and stuff. But. Um, he still does stuff under that name and um, kind of, he lives in Havasu now. And he's actually a worship leader at church. Oh, really? Um, okay. So, but he was a fellow Christian in the band. Okay. And, like we weren't a Christian band. So he has, band. He has roots in the church. Yeah. So we okay. kind of like, like we clicked really well. We were at, we'd stay, with, we'd stay with like host homes. So we'd stay in people's houses uh-huh. each night. And like, we have to like, can we use your dial up? And print off stuff. And I mean, there are multiple times we got lost. But like looking back now, like, that, could you imagine, like, just pile? Okay, let's go. You yeah, know, and yeah. I didn't. It was one of the few times I really felt God like you need to go do this. You know, and I grew a ton that year. It was hard. It was um, long. Yeah, it was cold. I was in the Midwest the whole year. So you take a guy who had who grew up with only a brother mm. on the West Coast, stick him in a van with a bunch of girls in the snow for a year, and say go. Oh my gosh! But and I played drums. Like I was barely a drummer. So they're like, "Do you play drums?" I'm like, uh, "I can figure it out." And yeah. I became a pretty good drummer by the end of it. Yeah. But it was it was great, man. It was a lot of fun. It, but it was really hard. But it really helped me just kind of. So I finished that, moved home. It was like, okay, what am I gonna do? Move back in with my parents. And you were how old at this time? Uh, twenty. Twenty. Okay. Yeah, twenty. And then I was either decided, all right, I'm gonna move to Nashville to be like 
a touring musician, like just a side musician, like with graduate students. So it was like, and my wife went to UC Irvine, which is literally next door, which uh-huh. is like 35,000. Uh-huh. She's like, I saw a sign because the school's in a gated community. Okay. So like, you just don't know, but it was gorgeous. I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah. Super okay. small classes. My largest class was like 15 students. But if you didn't show up class, class yeah. yeah, if you didn't show up, the professor would call you like, we're not starting until you get here. And if you want yeah. to ditch, you have like the same three professors. So it's like, if you're going to ditch one class, you have to ditch all of them. Yeah. Because you're going to have them like two other times that day. I'll try to get picked up on tours or whatever. Or I'll go to Concordia, this little private college. Um, and I wasn't a bad student, but I was not academically driven at all. Okay. I applied to the school. was like, whoa. Got in. I'm like, all right, I guess I should go to college. And that's where I went and finished my degree there and didn't move to Nashville. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And then that's what I was there for like two and a half years. I transferred in and got a degree in music and yeah, then moved to Texas. Okay. So all that, you know, all that was going on, um, you get your degree and then the opportunity to move from the West coast to Texas. Where, where's Concordia? It's in Irvine, California. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, It's just this little tiny private Lutheran college. It's like 20, when I was there, it was like 2,500 students. That's the only reason like I graduated. If I'd gone to a big school, I would have just dropped off. No, my, my theory, music theory professor, and he tutored me probably eight hours a week. Yeah, it was good. Very caring and encouraging. Selfless individual sounds like. Yeah. 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 So, um, moving, moving past that, you you get to Texas. One-on-one for free. You take a position at Water's Edge Church yep. right here in Frisco. Give us a, a summary of, of your experience there and, and yeah, leading no. up to now and what you're doing now. So I came on kind of as the worship guy, you know, doing some youth stuff, a little bit of everything. Um, and now I look back, because I've got an intern now who's 22. Okay. Like, oh, my goodness. I was 23 when I got here. Yeah. You know, like. You guys give me a lot of responsibility, like every Sunday leading music and pouring into the youth and youth group stuff and all that. So um, it was just, it's been a great kind of like learning. I mean, I grew up there really. Like I came there. Yeah, I was an adult, but still figuring out what I was supposed to do and who I was and all that. So I always, since I became a Christian, I always felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. Um, And in my church body, like, that means you gotta go to seminary and get a degree, like graduate, mm-hmm. all this stuff. So I, I was like, all right. And I I was at Water's Edge for a couple of years and finally started seminary. Um, I just graduated about a year ago. Yeah. So um, but so my role hasn't changed too much. Like I still oversee the music, I preach a lot more. Um, I'm just kind of the number two guy there and okay. um do a lot with like young adults and just try to be in the community and love people and Cause that's what it was for me. Like the beauty for me of Jesus was like people that actually loved me and took mm-hmm. care of me and poured into me and wasn't telling me what I can and can't do and all this stuff and rules. It was really weird moving from LA, like where people are like, Oh, you're a Christian. Like what? You're going to be a pastor. I worked at Trader Joe's and they would just try to rip on me. Like just try to like make me like swear. So yeah. I'm like, I'll do that regardless. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And then I moved to Dallas where it's like, oh, you were at a church. Like my mom, dad, and sister and dog work at that church. Like, So how did, how did that start out? I mean, like. Yeah. I still, if my wife and I are like, this is just kind of weird. It's kind of, I'm still uncomfortable because Water's Edge is not a big church. A mega church in Texas is like 10,000. I'm like, what? So it's kind of weird. I mean, we got maybe 400 people on a Sunday. It's just weird. Like a mega church in California was like a thousand people. So. Okay. It's small. So the 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 contrast from the West Coast to like when you got to Texas in, ter- in terms of church size, what would, I mean, do you think that probably just because the West Coast becomes more of a of a melting pot and yeah. just grabbing people from all over the the states, whereas you know Texas people are probably you know it's more, they're more localized. Yeah, grew up it's in more it. cultural here. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I I laughed when um, Toyota moved here a few years ago. Uh-huh. Like, what was it like? Several thousand Californians moved here, and yeah. all from where I grew up. All my buddies that work at church are like, we're going to grow all these Californians. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, They don't wake up Sunday morning and be like, hmm, I've never been to church, but I'm in Texas. <laughs> I should go to a church. It's like, no, they're going to go to brunch. They're going to go to their kid's game. They're going to yeah. like sleep in from the night before. Like, And that happened, sure enough. Yeah. I'm like, you guys, like, the South is a weird little bubble. We're in the 
buckle of the Bible Belt. So, so getting you know, if, if anybody listening who's thinking about a, a path in um, you know in the church, you know, you, you said your, your responsibilities were pretty big when you got here, mm-hmm. and they've only grown since. Um, so you you were you went back to school. Yep. Um, so can you elaborate on, on that process and like what degree you ended up having for, you know, to get and, yeah. and, and where that puts you now? Yeah, so in my denomination, which is Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, it's a not super large. And like, I guess down here, like Southern Baptist is huge, you know. And, um, it's just my little tribe that I'm part of. But for us to be pastors in our little tribe, you got to get um, uh, more training. Um, they just want to make sure you know what you're talking about, you know. So I got a master's in theology, and um, it was four years of, or it ended up being five years, uh, all long distance. Our main seminary is in St. Louis. Um, so I would go online classes and go out there every every other quarter for okay. a week-long class. Yeah. So, yeah, I just got a master's in theology, which is still really weird considering I never want to go to college. So, But yeah, I, I came to love the academic side of it. Like really, probably want to go on for doctorate studies and okay, um, very cool. Maybe even teach one day, but um, I I really like the academic side of it. But the cool thing about my program was I was rooted the whole time. Like I was still here. It wasn't like going off in some ivory mm-hmm. tower and just reading old books all the time. It's like I did all that while with my boots on the ground, still living life in the real world. Um, yeah, so I think it's just the traditional like just have a big sexy worship service and they're going to come like oh man that's changing if that's what we think that's what it means to be a christian is just Mm -hmm. to show up on church on sunday staying connected yeah yeah which i really enjoyed i really really enjoyed the time doing it i didn't think i would but um, i kind of went kicking and screaming like all right this is a loop i gotta jump through and i really i'm so thankful i did it you're in for a Rude awakening. Very cool. Yeah. Congratulations on the, on your Thanks master's. Uh, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. A so you have to call me master now all the time. Master, master, and Reverend Tony. <laughs> so <laughs> now you've got your master's. Yeah. You, you, as you mentioned, you jumped through that that hoop. Um, so what did that? I mean, in terms of your role in the church. Yeah. How how did that affect that, if if at all? It nothing really changed from my day to day. Okay. Like new people call me pastor and that's weird they probably just don't know my name so it's like pastor hey guy (laughs) bro so that's about it that's all that really changed um so so what's a day okay walk us through a a typical day for pastor master uh tony (laughs) uh gosh don't say that again master pastor tony (laughs) if you want to make tony uncomfortable just call me reverend she's like oh stop it reverend oh she hates that (laughs) Uh, no, so my day, I'm all about ritual and like routine. Mm-hmm. So I get up at 5.30, I go to the gym at, for the 6.30 class, mm-hmm. I go home, I make a cup of coffee, and I have my daily, I read my Bible, I pray, I read another book for about an hour and relax, like, not relax, but like focus, and I try to turn my phone off before I go to bed, and I don't turn it back on until I'm done with all that. Uh-huh. I don't listen, I try to not listen to like the radio on the way to the gym, because okay. Like the last thing I want to hear is like what whatever is going on. So just kind of make that morning time kind of sacred. So, um, but it's pretty flexible. So, which is really nice. So I just need to create space to be like, oh, this person needs to grab coffee. Price is here. I need to go visit this person in the hospital or stuff like that. Right. So it's just, it's all relationship. So if I'm preaching that week, I'll probably dedicate a day to writing the sermon, like studying stuff. Okay. So, um, yeah. What? I am, what's a quick reader's digest um, of writing a sermon? I mean, do you yeah. find do you find that you get writer's block at times? I mean, how, how's that? It's like, me through that. I'm still new to it, um, relatively new to it. But it's like, for me, it's kind of like um, the more and more I do it, it's really like what's going on in my week. Um, like we develop series like, okay, we know for the next six weeks, we're going to be doing this topic or going uh-huh. through these books of the Bible or something. Um, but it's really like, I'm kind of always writing it. Okay. So it's just always in the back of my head. Like, okay, I know this is coming up. So what are some stories? How 
I'll workshop with other people. Like I have a guy that I get uh, lunch with every Thursday Mm -hmm. and I'll just ask him questions and he doesn't know, but he's helping me write it. I think about this or how would you see this play out in your life? Does he attend Waters Edge? Yeah, yeah, he's one of our leaders there. So um, so it's just, and then being in life with the people at my church, like knowing what's going on in their lives Mm helps me write that like it's different if i just got up there and i like that being in a smaller church like, um which is, i've just started doing like you and i've talked about like, intentionality and, and mm. focus and all that stuff and then um we don't have a church office i know everyone there we have an office but i don't office out of there so most of my day is getting coffee with people um uh from doing like pastoral counseling to just talking life um yeah. all sorts of stuff and then um, preparing the different things I need to do for Sunday, whether it's picking music, um, writing a sermon, uh, developing like a lesson that I've got to teach one night for like high school or college kids. So um, most of my days are either spending time with people or studying. Um, so I know, okay, I need to be sensitive about this because that family's going through that mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, not that I'm like shying away from things, not offend or upset people, but it's just I know like, all right, um, our church is really struggling in this area. So, or, okay, I know that we're talking about this and that family just went through that. So I might even call like, hey, just so you know, like I'm not talking about you. What I'm getting up there is like a, it's super important and not important at the same time. You know, like it's not like, oh, this is the most important thing in the world. But at the same time, like I take it very seriously what I'm doing every single week. Like I'm speaking into people's lives. Like they, I am in a power, power position. Um, people do respect that still. So I want to not abuse that power yeah. and not, not be arrogant or whatever, you know, um, or come off as like flashy or anything like that. Like I just want to be faithful to what I'm supposed to say. And, and then, then it's kind of like, as soon as I say it, it's like, all right, it's not in my hands anymore. And there's weeks I'm like nailed it. And people are like, meh, so, so, <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. My wife's like, that's good. Cool. Yeah. Another one, you know? So, so yeah. it's, um, I really enjoy the process of it though. There'll be weeks I'm like, well, that was awful. And people are like, oh, thank you. That I'm like, what did you hear? So, um, but then I sit down and do the work, you know, like I take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like I really believe that. Well, so. that's, that's interesting to, to hear how you, you know, you, you use your daily uh, interactions, mm-hmm. uh, weekly interactions, things that are going on that you hear about, obviously, you know, can help shape yeah. um, and, and bring context to yep. what, what's happening um, and bring attention to it because a lot of folks, I mean, we're, we're so busy in the hustle and bustle and the land of in the world of abundance that we have around us. It's so easy to just be in your own little space yeah. and, you know, not, not pick, put your head up, yeah. you know, to take a look around or, or hear what other people may be going through yeah. or see what other people may go may be going through. So I think that's great that, um, well, that it just you gives you that. like perspective. We keep coming back to right. Like, yeah. You know, as I'm living life with people, like I, that's probably the hard part of my job. I just see, I see the best of the best in people's lives and the worst of the worst, you know, where um, from their own brokenness or just what people do to each other and stuff, you know, where I come home at the end of the day, like there's times like, I'm so unbelievably blessed. I got a roof over my head, Mm. a wife who loves me, you know, food on the table. Like we live in one of the richest parts of the world. Like, okay. You know, like who am I to complain? Like I don't deserve any of this. And, and just God's lives, you know, and then, but as I sit with people who I look at their life, I'm like, this is a disaster. They're like, I don't deserve, like, I'm so blessed. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like sitting at a bedside with someone that has cancer or someone that lost a job or, you know, we, families who have lost children, like, and they still have hope through that. I'm like, man, okay. Like, I don't know how I'd react That's to some of that. My life's been pretty freaking easy. Yeah. Like I've never had a huge significant loss like yeah that. Yeah. yeah i mean we have our own struggles but and those struggles are your own they're mm-hmm. real but um what other people have walked through I'm like man they're in they're in a community of people that take care of them and love them and encourage them and support them and we'll just sit with them when the bad stuff happens mm-hmm. that's a lot of my job just sitting with people and just sit there with them i'm not I've, i definitely am not the the best with like finding words when people are having hard times, you know, I, I just, it's easier for me to just be quiet, but I do struggle with wanting to console. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think, you know, hearing you say that, that's probably what people want mostly mm-hmm. is like just maybe a little bit of company 
but it doesn't have to be a vocal, yeah. you know, representation of that. So sit there and yeah. be still with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's important, and, and uh, you know, not telling them it's going to be okay. God's got a plan. It's like no, maybe like you lost your child. This sucks. Period. It's it's much needed. Yeah. In today's today's world, I yeah. think uh, so. Well, that's that's cool to hear that and how how you know you you've come from from where you were and, and up through the church as a as a young boy and then it's and you're getting plugged in and then and then your role at Water's Edge and how that's just blossomed um, yeah. and now you got your master's in theology, um, which means I just read a bunch of books. That's all it means. <laughs> Literally, like, well, it means like, oh, I read about that. Let me go look it up. Yeah. That's it. Like, it's not very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Well, hey, you, you took the time. You, you did the time, as they say, and, and uh, you showed that you can you can uh, follow a process, right? Yeah. So get, getting the piece of paper. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, and I don't know, you've got to probably get on the road here in, in a short time, but um, we'll, we'll kind of wrap yeah, this up good. and loop it into, uh, you mentioned you get up, your routine, the 0630 class. Yeah. And um, so you came to FCF when? I was thinking about it like seven years ago, probably okay. maybe eight years ago. Yeah. So Amanda Crane, yep. if you ever listen to this, thank you, Amanda. This is AC. all your fault. She goes to my church. She was there before I got there. And okay. for months, she's like, you come do CrossFit. I'm like, and this is like a while ago. So I went to like CrossFit.com. I'm like, what the hell is this? Mm. Like, I didn't understand anything. The website was a joke. I'm yeah. like, and she kept saying, come do it. Cause I, I played soccer growing up, like yeah. quit in the beginning of high school, never super athletic. Like, wasn't, like, overweight, but was, like, kind of the chubby kid growing up. And um, I would walk around 24-hour fitness, like, uh, curls? Like, what What? What? What do I need to do? We never really – we tried running or whatever. So Amanda finally was like, just come on this day. Just show up at this time. I'm like, all right, cool. So I show up, like, and the first – it was Fight Gone Bad, I think. Was oh, that was first your first workout. workout? And that's back in the day, days of Kale. Yeah. Kale's like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. In the end, I'm like, oh, what just happened? Here's my credit card. He's like, just come for a week. Just come for a week. <laughs> and I was hooked, like, ever since. You go to the gym in the morning. Yeah. So you're a pretty constant. That was it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I just loved it. I mean, the, the community aspect of it, the, um, like, getting myself beat up every single day was great. I loved it. Okay. And just... Um, and I still don't like sports. Like I've never been like, oh, let's go throw the football or like when we had like the kickball day here. Uh-huh. Like, oh, this is awful. I don't want to do this. You know, like even like team wads. I'm like, can we just work out by myself? Like, that's my own flaw, you know. But I'm just kind of I just love being around people in there working out, throwing down every single day. And yeah. um, and I, I've kind of I mean we all see it. The people are super into it for years, and then they kind of either quit or kind of realized I'd make it sustainable. And I got super into it for years. I had all the gear, but I love it. And then just going from working out every day to, I remember you started doing some internship stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, hey, I'd like to do that. And then just started shadowing and then got my level one and started coaching. And because a lot of my job is just teaching. I watched like every video on the internet and like I was way into like the uh, mobility wads, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Nutrition and barbell shrugged and all that. And now I'm kind of like, that's great. But like, I want to do this for, until I'm like 70. Right. So yeah. let's make this sustainable. Um, you know, like a lot of guys at the gym know and girls that like I got rhabdo, whatever, how many years ago mm-hmm. from uh, uh, good old Murph and that put me in the hospital for eight days. Um, so that was a little wake up call. Like kind of, it was a, it was an out of whack priority, but like, yeah. I never thought I'd go to the games, but just obsessed with it too yeah. much, you know? And, Injury after injury, shoulders and all sorts of stuff. And it just made me kind of pause and be like, wait, what's the goal here? Is it to like, I'm not the biggest guy in the gym. I never will be, you know, um, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the strongest, you know, but just show up each day and do the work. Um, I had a hernia a year ago, you know, that I was born with. I didn't repair. That was kind of like, all right, we got to start over now. Yeah. You know, the barbell is really heavy. So I figured the gym, like you're just teaching with the barbell in your hand. You're getting up in front of people and talking. So teaching is teaching. So that's why I, I love doing it. Um, I had to pull back a little bit just because of school and, and work and all that. But um, yeah, man, I I absolutely love it. It's 
Well, and it sounds like, you know, I mean, obviously having a, a faith based um, outlook on life, you've had your own trials and tribulations in the gym setting, yeah. you know, with, you know, rhabdo, yeah. obviously. And those of you who don't know what rhabdo myolysis is, it's a severe tissue breakdown um, to where, you know, you, you've exerted yourself to the point where muscle fibers shred off and get into the bloodstream. And then it really gums up the, uh, your plumbing, if you will, makes the kidneys have to work really hard to the point where they might even shut down. Yeah. Um, compartment syndrome can be a, an issue where you get really puffy and sensitive to the touch, painful, uh, not being able to straighten your arms out yeah. if you get it in the arms. So it's not a good situation and it can cause death. Yeah. So, so don't, don't learn butterfly pull-ups and then do a hundred of them two weeks later. In a row. In a row. Yeah. Yeah. In a <laughs> row. So that will, uh, that will put you in hospital for eight days and yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't really like this, this workout right now. I want to stop, but I'm not going yeah. to. Right. And that's, that's exercise. Yeah. You know, walking around the block where, where you don't ever feel the need to quit because walking's hard. I mean, I'm sure there's probably someone in a very, very beginning decondition yeah. state that that might, that might be the case yeah. and, and good on them for, you know, doing and taking action. But, you know, in our world, we've been doing this for a while. We don't, we don't, we're walking around the block. We're not yeah. thinking, oh my gosh, it's so hard. I got to quit. No, uh, the butterfly pull up or pull ups in general yeah. keeping, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta respect the volume. Yes. Uh, for sure. And again, going back to what Anthony talked about, it's pay longevity. Right. Yeah. So you were really into it and geeking out on it for a while and, and then having some, some setbacks kind of just made you step back yeah. and take um, stock and, Hey, why are you doing this? What's the, what's the goal here? Yeah. And it's a lifetime of, of fitness, yeah. right? Being capable, being durable for the rigors of life, obviously physically, but mentally, the mental strength and benefit that come from uh, daily exertion. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically you know, you've, you've overcome some obstacles in your fitness, um, journeys, yeah. but you know, again, backing up to the faith piece, you know, you've, you've been able to kind of just take, take a look at, Hey, all right, this is about longevity. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I need to be able to do this for a long time yeah. and you know, I'm just coming in to get fit. Yeah. So and push yourself. I mean, I still like pushing myself, like, but, um, like today's workout, Everyone at six thirty. California love California, um, and the thirty clean jerks with five burpees every five. And like me and Steve Dorfmeister, we're like, oh god, we're so nervous. We don't want to do this. And we looked at what we did before. I'm like, all right, I'll put a little bit more weight on the bar. It will take me longer. And I did it in less time with more weight. I was like, cool. And I remember that last time we did that workout. I was like, Corey, should I go unbroken or singles? You're like, uh, mess around with it. And I just remember going in there. <laughs> Great like, advice, Corey. I'm like, I don't want to do this and then at the end of it I'm like okay that sucked but cool I didn't hurt myself like I, I didn't do anywhere near prescribed weight I did ladies rx yeah but there you go so it's I got a good workout in and went home and now I'm here so yeah, like, yeah. it's just it went from a point of like being all consuming all the time to it's a big part of my life but it's not my life were you that guy that was that everybody you, you made sure everybody knew you were doing CrossFit. <laughs> kind of. So I'm the worst. I'm a Christian CrossFitter vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like no one wants to talk to me. You know, I used to use like CrossFit analogies in my sermons a lot and stuff. And then like I get the other like CrossFitters at church be like, yeah, and everyone else is like, what are you talking? Why do you, who's Rich Froning? I don't care. So um, I just, yeah, at that point, everyone probably knew I did CrossFit, but now yeah, it's not a huge, like, oh, I'm Anthony, I do CrossFit, and I don't eat meat, and I let me tell you about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, right, no, right. <laughs> it's just kind of what I do, you know? it's That's my exercise routine. Yeah, right, it's not who you are, it's just what, it's yeah. what you do. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing, like, there's guys at the gym that can throw down, but then, like, six months later, they're having shoulder surgery. Like, was it worth it? Like what? And maybe to them it was like, yeah. especially like if you were a college athlete, you need that drive in there. But for me, that's not worth it. You know, it's like okay, yeah, I, I would like to be able to. I used to like obsess trying to get good snatch technique. Now I'm like, nah, I'll just power snatch because yeah. I'm lazy and don't want to do my mobility. That I'm willing to make that sacrifice. You yeah. know, so it's what works for you each day. You know, and my big thing as a coach is like scale appropriately. 
like scale, 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 you'll get it better. Yeah, I could have gone RX today, but I wouldn't have finished. Okay, cool. Put your ego aside, people. Like, just scale and you'll be fine. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's to see the, you know, the uh, change, I guess, not only in CrossFit itself, you know, going back 20 years ago when Glassman started putting the workouts online, yeah. you know, and it was, it was pretty underground and, and raw in the beginning. And then it started to become more commercialized, obviously, with the games and Reebok jumping on board. Um, you know, you just it was just kind of like it became this this monster, if you will. And, I, you know, Glassman's even commented on it just morphed into something that he had no intentions yeah, yeah. of it becoming, you know, these massive gyms with. 40 bodies in a class, you know, and it's just, it was, he wanted it to be more intimate uh, and, and more of a teaching environment mm-hmm. versus a cat herding, yeah. you know, environment. And that's definitely, you know, and now you can take a look at, you know, CrossFit.com, their website and their health initiative has completely yeah. flipped, you know, and Glassman's kind of taken back the reins and, and the games have become kind of a backseat. Yeah. And those of you that were really into the games and watching, you know, and then regionals and, and that big production that went on and the massive amounts of money that was being dumped into those productions, you know, he was like, hey, this could be money much better spent yeah. getting back to the roots of why I started this this movement, if you will. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've got, you know, we've had people over the years, our decade of, of being here in Frisco, just seeing, you know, the people that had come in there, rah, 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 but then having or some of them that have been able to say, Hey, you know what, like yourself, this is, this is about fitness and this is about, you know, being healthy and productive way out longer than the next five years. Um, and then there's, there's other folks that just can't, you know, they haven't let it go. They're still hanging on for whatever reason and they have their reasons and it's, you know, who am I to judge that? But I can tell you, you know, I've always for the past several years struggled with just, you know, trying to kind of gear people towards the the more healthy end of it and, yeah. and not have it be a detriment. Yeah. Right. Because we all have vices. Yeah. And I think that, that the fitness can definitely be a negative vice for some Yeah. Place. Where I think it can come into addiction, like yeah. straight up, where it's like if it's starting to interfere in other parts of your life, like my wife and I have had to go back and forth on this, you know, where it's like it's a Saturday. You have to go work out or like can we go take a walk? And yeah. I am confessional now like i still am at times addicted to it where it's like uh like yeah eh, and that goes in all sorts of like okay i ate too much or drank too much the night before i was like ah, oh, and it's just like this sick thing in your head where it's yeah. like okay this isn't super healthy like uh so you just have to watch those and are you aware of that and like okay what's your why why are you doing this you know um and and missing a saturday to go take a walk with your wife yeah. is not going to be the end of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's just it's a, uh, and everyone has, you just have to think, have your, why are you doing this? Like my favorite stories at the gym are like, I think of Daryl, you know, yeah. comes in he's like, you know what? Um, my kids lost their mom young and I got to get healthy. So I'm here for a long time. Yeah. Daryl will never do some crazy. He'll probably never get a muscle up, you know, mm-hmm. but he knows that he's there to make himself healthy. So he could be there for his grandkids. Like that's my win. Like Daryl going from squatting, uh, at like parallel to below parallel that's mm-hmm. the win you know like yeah, having sure. someone come in and being on medication and then six months later the doctor's like i don't know what happened why uh, it's like i started cleaning up my diet and moving every day like right. that's the win you know so it's great seeing a 22 year old like whatever snatch 300 pounds over their head that's awesome beautiful sure. but sure. and like the games like spieler said years ago that's not crossfit yeah. The games isn't CrossFit. Right. It's yeah. the local gym showing up, coaches showing people how to move well. And um, so it's, they say in your level one, like if grandma can deadlift her body weight, you don't need to worry about grandma. And grandma weighs 100 pounds, so we're not talking, you know. Right. So those are those are what make me super excited. We've had people from my church come. Michelle. Michelle Tate, you know. Yeah, Michelle, yeah. When Michelle started. I'm like, you're doing CrossFit? She's like three years in. And she had an injury in her shoulder, but yeah. she still, I see her at church, like, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. Like, and I always, Michelle's like, wait, what's that? I'm like, Michelle, you do this for three years. <laughs> like, it's a push press. Okay, 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 I got it. You yeah. know, but yeah. she shows up and does the work. She does. So that's my win, you know, is the, 
the, I'm not going to say how old she is, but that, you know, not the 22-year-old. And I think that's a beautiful thing that I've been around CrossFit or around FCF long enough to see that. Like the people have really stuck around and people come and go and life happens. No judgment, but the people that are the, like, this is, it's just part of who they are. You know, it's, it's part of it. It's not all consuming, but it's just like, I want to do this because I want to be healthy for the long run. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you got to. Yeah, man, I've seen, I've been there for a long time. So, yeah, I'm just seeing you grow as a gym owner and as a coach and as a human and all that. It's, it's really cool to see. So, well, it's been, it's been a ride. For it sure. has been. And I, I hope that we are able, you know, to continue to push through another, another decade of yeah, providing uh, the fitness in Frisco. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we couldn't do it without people like you, you know, exactly. as members. You know, our members are obviously the the backbone of what goes on in there, and yeah. uh, and then our, our coaching staff. You know, we all believe, I think, in the same thing. You know, the direction that we're trying to go, and yeah. you know, having having that support is from everybody. Obviously, is is crucial yeah. and very much appreciated. So, you know, I, I uh, I'll go ahead and wrap this up with with that. Um, you want to give a plug for the church? Anything you got going on? Um, you, you, you released an album not too long ago, about what a year ago, year and a half ago. Uh, I did a Christmas EP okay. last year, but I don't know when this will come out. It's under the Rev. It's called "Merry Christmas, You Filthy Animals." And it's all like punk versions. Okay, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely dumb. But uh, no, <laughs> just look up my name, Anthony Celio, on iTunes, and you can see a bunch of music I've released over the years. Okay, twenty twenty, there'll be a new, a new batch of songs coming out. So right on. Very yeah, cool. that's about it. What about Water's Edge? Anything? We're just a Saturday services. Sundays, Sunday services. Sundays only? at what is it? Nine thirty and eleven. Okay. Watersedgefrisco.com. It's nothing super sexy or or huge or Frisco like. It's just a bunch of people that know they're not put together perfect. And um, I think the beauty. This is my last thing. You're giving me opportunity. The, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that He comes and meets me in my daily mess and gives me um, strength to accept myself and other people. And um, that's what we try to do on Sunday morning is help people find peace and redemption and just to be accepted for all their flaws. So um, you'll just find a bunch of jacked up people on Sunday morning, singing some songs, hearing some stuff from a Bible and encouraging each other. So. Right on. Yeah. All are welcome. And all if not, are welcome. I'll see you at the box. All right. And well, you'll probably beat me. <laughs> and you'll be okay with it. Yeah, I'll be okay yeah, with it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Anthony. Well, hey, thanks again, buddy. And uh, we're going to sign off. Thank you all for tuning in. Yeah. And we'll see you in the gym soon.